Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer just saying thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for all that you do in our lives each and every day because, Father, we don't deserve it. But we thank you so much that your love, your favor, and all the choice blessings that you bestow in our lives, well, they don't come because we deserve it. They come simply because you love us and you want to show us that it just truly how much you care for us each and every day that we're here. So, God, I ask right now that you would sit me, J.R., the man down that you, O oh Lord, would rise up big inside of me, proclaiming your word of truth, that you would use me as a microphone so that your people, the family, the brethren, that they would just hear exactly what it is that they need to hear from you, God, that you would deposit a word into all of our spirits and that we would just get that much closer to you. It's these things we thank you for, Lord. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, everybody, how are y'all doing today? It's another Friday, another Bible study, and just another opportunity to really get to know who God is to us and who we are to him. Now, as per usual, when it comes to Bible study, the Lord places something in my spirit, whether it's just some revelation he gives me, something I'm going through, something I'm coming out, whatever it may be, God always does something right on time because that's the kind of God that we serve. And so with this week's lesson, there's something that I know we all deal with, something that when I'm talking to to my brothers, my friends, my family, whoever it may be, or when I hear different testimonies or hear different stories about things that people go through, we all tend to deal with the same thing. And I want to let you know right now, you're not crazy. And that's the title of the lesson. Now, what do you think I mean by that? Well, let me give you an example. And then we'll hop into the word. In the book of Romans, chapter seven, to be specific, Paul talks about how no matter how much he wants to do good in certain situations, he tends to do the opposite. He does the reverse of what he wants to do. His spirit yearns to serve God. He's enamored by his choices that he makes sometimes for he wants to do good, but he does wrong. And he's just confused. And I know for a lot of us, that tends to really get at us sometimes, especially the the newer Christians in their journey. But let me tell you something. You're not crazy. What happens is, <clears throat> as Paul, uh, as Paul illuminates, I'll say, and Jesus himself tells us the same thing. It's that though we're saved now, our spirit, the driver of this vessel we call a body, of this vehicle, they're good. They're, they've, they're signed, sealed, delivered, as the song says. 
God has rescued you. He's delivered you from a, a very real hell. And he has set you on the path, his path, because he's the path. He's the way, the truth, the life, the light, all of the above and everything in between. So you're good there. But while you're still here, while you're still in this car, it's like a vehicle that hasn't gotten a front and alignment in a while. It tends to pull to the left, whether you want it to or not. Sometimes it has a mind of, a mind of its own and it just does things. And you, the driver, sometimes think, well, am I crazy? I know I love God. I know I'm doing my very best to just try to do better. I pray. I read. I study. I apply it. Probably one of the biggest things out of those four. And I'm constantly seeking God's face to just not be so much of me but to be more like him. And we fall short. I tell y'all that every week, there is no such thing as a perfect Christian, only a perfect Christ, because he's our Lord and Savior and our example. But as for us, we, we got a long way to go. But again, you're not crazy. You're really not. And I want to help you out this week. So for the scripture, we're just going to stick in Romans this week. It's going to be very simple. And God willing, you know, he has me jump to and fro to connect the dots for you guys because he's just that awesome. But Romans chapter seven, we're going to read the entire chapter together. We're going to break some things down, add in some points and help you understand that it's not you. It's just the enemy doing his normal deceptive thing, trying to make you feel as if you aren't really saved. But let me trust and believe me. If he's fighting you that hard, then truly you belong to God, because if the enemy already had you, he wouldn't be working overtime trying to distract you and hurt you and all of the above. But again, Romans chapter seven, and we will go ahead and take a look at that. The Bible says now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law that does not commit adultery when she remarries. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Well, then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. Keep that in mind. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to, around, to, 
arouse, excuse me, all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. At one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. But still, the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. We're going to come back to that in a moment. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's com good commands for its own evil purposes. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am, or as the King James says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Now, here's the thing. We're going to break this down. I know there are some stuff said in here that may cause a few misconceptions, but we're going to clear all that up. First things first. If you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal savior, then yes, you are a clear, concrete slave to sin. No questions about that. But if you accept the sacrifice that God himself paid with his own blood on a cross called Calvary. If you accept that sacrifice, repent, which means you turn away from the old lifestyle and you start walking down the new path, which is Jesus's path, the path that he made especially for us, for you and for me. If you do that, you walk forward. Don't worry about looking back because Jesus is now your beginning and your end. We've talked about this before. Well, then you're no longer a slave to sin. I get what Paul is saying here. Let's clear up these misconceptions. Yes, there is a war brewing inside of you right now 
in the mind, like Paul says. And as the Lord himself alliterates a lot throughout the New Testament, just to let us know, look, while I got your spirit right, this thing that you're still uh, cohabitating in, it, it doesn't like me. It does not love me. It hates me. It wants to do wrong day and night. When you present it good food, it wants the bad food. Okay. It only wants to make bad choices. And so in doing so, now we're, we're put in the middle of this. Do I feed my spirit by studying the word, by choosing to accept God's grace, by when I'm tempted, because there's still some stuff inside of me that can be tempted. Instead of giving in, I do my very best, according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, to just plead with God and seek his way out that he'll provide. Do we do it 100% of the time? No. Do we want to beat ourselves up over it? Yes, I get it. But if God isn't going to condemn you for it, Romans chapter 8, as soon as you get into it, then why are you doing it? Here's the thing, brothers and sisters. Yes, you're going to mess up in life. You're going to make mistakes. There will be some things that you struggle with that you just keep messing up again and again and again and again and again and again. And sometimes it seems habitual. Sometimes you feel as if this is your thorn. But let me tell you, God does not make sin a thorn in our lives because he can't be tempted. He surely won't tempt us. That's what the good word tells us. So don't worry about that. When these things happen, it's because of a few things, you know, <clears throat> they can be narrowed down to either maybe it's a generational thing. You don't know. Maybe it's a stronghold in your life. You don't know. It could be any number of these things. But here's here's the good. Here's the good news for you and for me. If you belong to God, which I hope you do, if you're part of the family. Well, I believe it's also here in the book of Romans. If not, I'll find it and put it in the comments later. But the Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare, they're, they're not carnal. We don't fight with fists. We don't pull out guns to, to deal with the issues that really plague us. No, they're, they're spiritual. They're like nukes. We've talked about this before. And these spiritual nukes of ours that God has equipped us with, they have the ability to pull down strongholds, to cast down and rein in vile imaginations and every single thing that would try to make a person stray away from God. And it's all with the sole purpose to return you to the source. Now, here's the problem. If you own something, whether you stole it or you bought it, it's yours. You use it on a daily basis. You like it. You'd be very upset if someone tried to take it from you and you do almost anything in your power to get it back. Well, that's what happens once we get saved. Satan had us. At least he thought he did. And when we get rescued by our Savior, that's why we have a Savior, because we needed to be saved. Once we get rescued out of bondage, once we get freed from those shackles of sin, because now we're not in bondage to it anymore, 
it wants us back. Jesus himself talked about a parable of when you clean a house, it's in order. But the person that was kicked out, or the demon in this case that he was referencing to, it tries to see if anyone's home. And if no one's there, well, guess what? It will come back with some friends to try to keep the place in order. Here's the thing about that. When you get saved, you invite God into your life. Jesus himself says that if you would just trust in me and let me be your God, well, not only would I come in and make my home with you, but me and my father would do that together. God is saying that in all of my oneness, I will come and make my home inside of you, in your heart, your spiritual heart, the true you. I will come in there and that's my spot. Okay, I got you covered. But here's the thing. There are too many times in life where we forget that God is God and that we're not. Get it? We're people. We do that. But when we do these things, when we don't let God do his part, because everything that God, for the most part, can do in our lives, we have to let him do it. Jesus could have performed so many miracles that we see in the Bible and the gospel canon, but he didn't in a lot of places because there was no faith. There was no belief. He could do it. Yeah, he's God. Faith doesn't stop him from working. He's working right now. But what he wants from us is the faith in him that regardless of the circumstances, I know that you have me, Lord. And they didn't have that. They just wanted some cheap parlor trick and land and eh, story for another day. The point is, in terms of this, when we struggle, you're not crazy. okay? It's just the enemy, your flesh, bunch of other factors in there trying to keep you from achieving what God has for you. Does it make you crazy? No, it means that you're fighting. You're actually fighting the fight and you're walking this Christian journey. And the enemy hates that. So one, give yourself a pat on the back. Be proud, knowing that you are a child and a soldier in the army of the Lord. Does it hurt knowing that some things trip us up like that? Yeah. You could walk with the Lord for a long time and it's still that one thing that may get at you. I know it bothers you. It bugs you. It keeps you up late at night. But it's those things that also help us get closer to God. I already told you God wouldn't make the sin itself the thorn. But what he will do is use these situations to help you come back to him. You see what I'm saying? There have been a lot of situations that I've shared with you that I've put myself in that God used to help get me back to him, to get me closer to him. Now, there are a lot of things in life I personally feel that we could avoid if we would stop putting ourselves in certain callous situations. But we do it because we're people. But what God will do, according to his own word, is work it out for us, the good of us who love him and are called according to his purpose. Does that mean that we should always be looking for him to work out something? I wouldn't advise it because you don't want to live in that kind of lifestyle. It's not good to just, oh, Lord, I done messed up again. Please fix it. Because sometimes he'll fix it, but you got to still deal with the consequences. Remember, sin comes with consequences. 
but God covered it. And we're going to go back to the scripture in a moment. The whole point of all of this is to let you know that when these things happen, don't react. A big part of this year's overarching theme, don't react to it. Yeah, you messed up. I know you're upset. I know you want to beat yourself up. Don't respond. Would my God, my Father, my Lord, my Savior, my friend, my everything, would he condemn me over this? Well, Romans chapter eight, verse one, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, meaning you messed up because this just had a moment. Okay. God got you. What was your heart saying? I want to please you. That got in the way. I don't know how it did it, but it happened. As chapter seven told us, as my grandmother has told me one day, as she lovingly just held my face and looked at me and I've shared it with y'all. It's that to reiterate what God said through both of them. When these things happen, it's not you because you. You're who you really are. Your true identity, which is wrapped up inside of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. That's our identity. He does no wrong. Our spirits are united. We know, I believe it's Romans chapter 12. Don't quote me there. But nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Not, not the sin that just happens. Not the sin that we sometimes just go do. Nothing. If you got saved for real and gave your life to Christ, congrats. Y'all are y'all like this, but also like that. Nothing can can pull y'all apart. So when the things happen, please understand that's this. That's the sinful nature still inside this body. And until God purges it and gives us that perfect body just like he is, the thing we're working toward. So that on that great day when he unites all of us brothers and sisters together, we can have that perfect body without flaw. No more sin, no more nothing. Just just like him. Well, we got work to do till then, y'all. So no, you're not crazy. I promise you. So here's the thing. We're going to go back to the scripture now. Paul says that he knows that nothing good lives in him. It's just sin in there. Jesus says the same thing. When one of the Pharisees or Sadducees, whichever he was, came to the Lord, he approached him saying, good teacher, or good master. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There is but one that is good. And when you break that down, He's asking him, are you acknowledging that I am God? Are you acknowledging the purpose that I've come to fulfill? Or are you just saying something because you heard it like the cliche, God is good? Yes, we know God is good, but do you really understand why he's good? Or are you just saying it because you heard it? Jesus, when you start to dissect the scripture, is saying the same things. Do you really know that 
I'm the good teacher or are you just saying that because you you heard I can break some scripture down? Like, what is it? In that same, guys, Paul is letting us know again, just as the Lord did, that none of us without him are good. There is no such thing as good people. It doesn't exist. That's some pretty lie that people tell one another to make them feel good about the disgusting actions that they take. Oh, he's a good person. Why do good things happen? No, stop. Listen, you get saved. You have the ability to exercise good because you are connected to the source of all that is holy and good. So when we start to walk in the proper direction to stop trying to make these same mistakes over and over and over again, as Yolanda was talking about and open my heart, we don't want to do that anymore. We want to be better. We want to live this life the best we can. Can we walk the straight and narrow 100%? No. But can we follow the example Jesus gave us with his help? Absolutely. Can we get to heaven? Yes, we can. But we got to do it God's way. Can we stop doing these same things over and over and over again? Yes, we can with God's help. Can we actually be good people? Absolutely, with God's help. And that's the whole purpose of understanding who God can be to us. He enables us not to do wrong, not to keep sinning, but to overcome the mortality of sin. He already lived this life in his own words and overcame it for you and for me. Overcame it how? By giving you the escape route to stop, just to just stop, you know, will we always stop? No, we're not perfect, but can we stop a lot? Yes. The true goal of, of walking out this Christian lifestyle as a person is to look more like Christ. We're supposed to be reflections of our master because we're his disciples, we're his students. And in doing so, we live as we in the Christian community call a more sober lifestyle. I'm not better than you, no. We will never be better than one another. A more sober lifestyle means that I've gotten to a point to where a lot of the old things that I used to do, uh-uh, just, mm-mm. That, that's not my norm anymore. It's not the status quo for me. See, in applying the Bible and applying scripture to your life and getting closer to God, the goal is to switch up the status quo. You're sad? Go drink a, a whole big bottle of some liquor and get drunk and sleep it off. Not anymore. You got saved. You've been working on that. You're sad. Now you stretch your arms up to the Lord and you say, thank you, God, because I know though pain, though anger, though sadness may endure. But for the night, your joy comes in the morning and morning, as far as I'm concerned, is every single day that you are alive and Jesus is your master. That's morning, y'all. Someone perished in your family. I understand you're sad. Someone got sick. Someone got hurt. Something bad happened. The job got lost. The money is gone. 
bills are due. You don't know what to do. But thank you, Lord. Why? Because you know he has you. You didn't have money necessarily when you got saved, but now everything's taken care of. Maybe you had money when you got saved, but you were depressed. Now you're not depressed anymore. You see what God does. He takes everything that we deem as good and shows us just how ugly it is. And then he instills in our lives what is actually good. So again, you're not crazy. Not at all. Not in the least bit. When you make these mistakes, and I've had this conversation, I can't tell you how many times with my uncle uh, when I had been dealing with certain things. And he'd always remind me of where we as people stand with God and that, and that guys. What does your heart say? God said that I would come to pay your heart, to, to repay the hearts of men, as the Bible says. He didn't say I'd, I'd repay the actions, but the heart. See, the heart dictates what you do. Though we may deal with this, this battle in our mind, the soulless realm, on a day-to-day basis, what the heart dictates is what most cases will happen. Do you really love the Lord? Are you trying? Are you actively doing everything in your power with him as the backbone? to do better? Well, I guarantee you, yeah, you're still going to mess up here and there, but nine times out of 10, you're going to do what pleases God. Do you make your mistakes? Yes, but don't let those get you down, okay? Even the best soldier has an off day sometimes, and if your off day goes from six out of the seven days of the week to three out of the seven days of the week. Well, congratulations, you're growing. If you can stop doing certain things flat out, great. But if you still struggle here and there, guess what? It's not because you want to do it anymore. It's because sin just sometimes has a way of happening. But when you're not the one feeding it, when you're not enabling it, when you're not trying to go do wrong, you've already won. And God has already fixed the fight to where you win, period. You got saved. If you've been with me before, you already know you're heaven bound. Everything we do after salvation just adds to the stockpile that has our name on it. That's it. And not only that, but it also helps other people see that, yes, God is real. And no, he doesn't hate you. No, he does not want to throw his law at you. He wants you to receive his love in love. And I mean, that that's really it, y'all. God doesn't make this hard. We make it hard. He wants to make this life not only bearable, but in a way for us to walk through it, in a way for us to enjoy it. You can become saved, be a Christian and have fun. You, you don't become a stick in the mud. You do that of your own choice but God is a fun God okay he didn't make all these wonderful things so we could just sit at home locked up in the corner Lord I just want to do right today no you pray you go enjoy life stop beating yourselves up okay you're not crazy I promise you I'm only 25 but I've seen my fair share to let you know that you're not crazy and with all that 
I leave you with this. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, he makes it very clear that everything that we can do is wrapped up inside of God. And what he wants more than anything else is for you, if you don't know him already, and if you do know him, to let him keep being God. Let him keep revealing himself more to you. How do you do it? Make yourself available. There's a song called, Lord, I'm available to you. And what does that look like? It looks like a response. You don't react when things happen, but you respond by saying, Lord, what is it that you would have me do? What is it that I can do to be more like you? What can I do to, to spread your love more? So it all starts with what we can do, not for self, but for God and the kingdom and our brothers and sisters. And all you have to do, again, is be available. So, Lord, we come before you in prayer saying thank you, God. We thank you so much that it's, we're not crazy. Sometimes it really feels like it. Sometimes we stress ourselves out. We pull our hair out and we just look up to you so confused and so baffled, wondering, Lord, why do I keep doing this over and over and over again? But Father God, we thank you that even in the midst of the, the habitual sin, the sin that sometimes feels like it just we can't let go of it or we can't get away from it. We thank you, God, that regardless of what it may be, that you've already overcome it for us. And for us to receive the victory, we just have to keep fighting because it ain't over, Lord, as the song says. It's not done until you say it's done. So if I have to struggle to the finish line, well, then, God, I'll struggle because struggling doesn't mean that I can't walk. And even if I have to limp to get to you, well, then, Father, we will. But we thank you that just like the promise you made us all the way back in Genesis, that you bruised the enemy's head. And though he may have nicked the heel, that doesn't matter. We still have the activity of our limbs to get to you. We're not brain damaged. We're not brain dead. But instead, we're connected to you. And through that connection, God, we fight our hardest to get just that much closer to you because it's the little steps, the iota, that inevitably makes the big changes in our lives. By giving you five minutes a day, we end up giving you countless hours because we just want nothing more than to be next to you. By stop going to certain places and hanging out with certain people, we can put a lot of foul activities down. We can stop thinking about certain things because we're doing our part to be more like you, Jesus, to get closer to you. And though when things still happen because we're not perfect, we thank you that your grace and your mercy, which is made available to us at the throne of grace, God, is readily available every second of every minute of every hour of every day, God. Because unlike these false gods, I don't know how they operate. You, Lord, I don't have to call collect. I don't have to wait on hold. You're available to me every single day of all hours of the day. And all we simply ask in return is that we can do the same for you, to be used of you mightily, not for self-gratification, but to help expand your word 
and to get more souls saved because Lord, we all need you saved or not. We desperately need you. And for those who don't have you, God, even more so. So Father, we just want to say thank you. We love you and we will be sure to give your name all the praise, the honor and all the glory which you so rightly deserve. It's these things we thank you for. In Jesus mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey family, I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form or fashion today. Each week we hold Bible study on Zoom and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed.